What's up, everybody? It's Sharpen Perspectives, episode 16. Uh, today, it's just me, Ken Spaulding, uh, Zodiac Engineering. Um, Alex and Jim are both out today, sick and going to the dentist and doing uh, their own thing today. So I'm just going to jump on here for a little bit, kind of update kind of last week, let you know where I'm at with everything, and uh, probably do a little bit of screen sharing for a few minutes and show some of the Rev-A updates on the datums. So uh, today's uh, November November 15th, airing on the 16th. It's like 11.20 right now in the morning. Uh, I've been running blades all morning. I'm going to continue running those after this. So I'm leaving the mill on. Hopefully uh, there's not too much noise in the background. Riverside does a pretty good job of mitigating or eliminating all the background noises. Hopefully it doesn't make me sound like I'm underwater. So my rotor phase converter's on, mill's on. Just e-stopped it so that the air's not pissing this whole time and turn the compressor on. So um, yeah, this past weekend was a California custom knife show. Went really well for me. Went awesome for Jim. Um, I brought uh, the 15th datum, that uh, ultimate datum with me and I auctioned it at the show. Um, didn't get any bids at the show. I had a lot of people interested in it, um, but it was just chaos. There was a lot of auctions, a lot of lottos and everything ending at the same time that I did mine. So I ended up getting most of my bids and everything through the Facebook group, um, which seems to be where most of the interaction and stuff is. It's just a private Facebook group that I have. Um, it's like the, it's called the Zodiac engineering owners group. Um, it's private, but easy to join. Just, you know, request it and I'll typically approve it pretty much right away. So anyways, um, I post most of this stuff in there, a lot of updates and, and things. So, I got all the bids in there, um, ended up selling or auctioning that with uh, a slingshot with Ultim inlays and one of my coins that I made out of Ultim. So just a one of one set of each of these three things. And then I threw in some Ranger eyes with it. And uh, yeah, the auction went well, um, started off pretty strong and then a little low for a couple hours. And then the last you know half hour or so got a bunch of bids and got up to where, I mean, it got more than what I was expecting, but I was also kind of hoping that it broke a certain amount, which it did. Um, and uh Really happy with it. I shipped it out on Monday. I think the guy's supposed to have it maybe today or tomorrow. So excited to see what he says about it. And uh, it was nice having so many people play with it at the show for pretty much the entire day because it broke in really nice. Action was awesome. Uh, but of course, it got scratched. So I had to bring it back and then refinish the blade and reassemble it and everything. And then uh, didn't feel quite as nice as it did beforehand because it was handled so much. But I think uh, another day or so, it should break in. Uh, I'm hoping that the uh, guy who got it, you know, plays with it a bunch. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to hear how he likes it and everything. Uh, Monday, I got, I got real motivated over the weekend uh, at the show to really dive into the datum revisions and just add pretty much everything that I've been thinking about, but also started getting the wheels turning, seeing so many cool knives, uh, especially the Shiro's and really diving into his stuff and, uh, how much stuff, how much detail he just puts into literally every single part. Um, you know, he's not using standard pivot screws. He's not using standard pivot barrels or anything that everything is surfaced. Everything has got tons of detail in it. Um, and, uh, I started thinking about that because we have so many issues and bottlenecks with hardware, which seems to be a very kind of industry wide issue. Um, uh, especially talking to a lot of other makers at the show, like, Hey, hardware, we can't get hardware. We can't get this, can't get that. Are you doing any turning? So, uh, Kind of thinking about how instead of buying stock pivots, pivot barrels and stock screws and stuff, which I haven't been happy with, not the screws anyways, the barrels have been great, but the screws have been very inconsistent. Um, just machining the pivot barrel 
out of some pre-hard steel or some stainless um, with a head on it and then do some anti-rotation stuff in it and then uh, just machining the screws, even if I just do them on the mill, thread milling, whatever, um, doing a custom pattern in here and then making some tools for them. I've never been a huge fan of custom tools because I'd like to be able to, anybody to just use kind of a standard tool, like the, the datums are all T15 Torx. Um, but I think it is a nice touch, especially with a knife, you know, as, as uh, intricate and expensive as this one is. I think it would be a nice touch having kind of a, a custom tool on there, but I'm just thinking, do I, if, you know, asking myself or talking myself into or out of making hardware um, and making tools for that hardware, still a little bit on the fence. So right now I still have the model done with um, off the shelf stuff, but overall the other revisions that I've been talking about and the models are already done. Um, I'm already pretty well underwear, underway on uh, machining the blades. I'm almost finished with all of the soft state machining. Uh, so if you're watching, hopefully my camera doesn't look like a potato, but um, I have the primaries all roughed in and I have the windows roughed in with a web all the way across, um, except for the hole so the tools can pop through. Um, I remodeled pretty much everything on Monday, Tuesday. So I'm not I'm not going into tool pass and leaving, oh, I had to leave stock to leave by this much on this tool or this much on that tool. Did I forget to do it? And I just modeled this sequence of the blade with the stock everywhere. So it's literally machining on size with no stock to leave. Um, and uh, so there's 10 thou on all the profiles. The stock thickness is 187. It finishes at 160. Uh, this stock didn't come pre-ground uh, by any, any amount at all. Previously, it was all 166. And then uh, it was surface ground 3 thou per side. But this is 187, 188-ish. I think I got a couple pieces at 189. Uh, but overall, for what I'm doing in this sequence, it doesn't matter. I left 10,000 on the primary uh, per side. So there's plenty of meat. Uh, I spoke with Double Disc Grind today. They're going to shoot over a quote later today. Um, so we went over all the specifics. I got the quote back from Heat Treat. Um, very, very good price. Very reasonable. Um, and their process is dialed. They do a lot of MagnaCut for a lot of makers. They're in California. Um, and uh, their quench uh, is done properly which is how uh, MagnaCut was developed. So they're, they're following a lot of those procedures and their equipment is set up properly for that. Um, starting to rain today a little bit. So anyways, really happy with all that stuff. Um, I think things are going to go pretty smooth, especially with all the changes that I've been making on these things. Oh, shit, dude. Just knocked my everything over. Whoops. Just got a negligent discharge here. With the... Anyways, um, so yeah, the process is getting pretty dialed on these things. I'm, I really want to start building some bigger fixtures, I think, after this run, once I work out all the kinks on these. But I also start wanting to do on hollow grind stuff with a cup wheel. But I think at least for the next um, few batches of these things, I'll continue with the flat grind and, uh, and hard mill them uh, and then develop that process maybe with some spare blades. I'll probably send some out for heat treat without the primaries done at all and then remove the tabs. Um, before they go to heat treat. So I have some test blades to use uh, to really play around with that without impacting this because uh, all, the way that I order the blades, I end up getting seven pieces per bar uh, and I need to order five bars in order to make 30 knives, but I end up getting five extra blades. So I need that last bar just for two of them so I can get 30 total blades and 30 frames and 30 of everything. So uh, this batch is 35 blades, but it's 30 assemblies. So I'm going to have five extra blades. Um, they're already all cut really though for the primary. Actually, I have five extra, but I'll probably do it next time. I don't want to 
I want to have some extras for this one just in case. So um, anyways, I'm going to jump into some screen sharing and show some of these revisions that I made on the Rev A model uh, compared to the Rev NC. Uh, let's see here, window fusion. So I'll try to keep it kind of short on this um, so that it doesn't suck just uh, listening and not watching. But you know, if anybody is watching, uh, you can see it on Spotify. You can watch on Spotify or YouTube. I post it to both. I don't think Apple or Google or any of the other ones play any of the video. I think it's audio only. Uh, but anyway, so this is it. from the side externally. This looks identical as before. Uh, never mind the yellow. I'm really trying to go through this and delete all of the extra stuff and revise um, this entire file and clean it up. So from the side profile, it's identical to the RevNCs. Uh, and I've had a lot of questions about, you know, what does RevNC stand for and all that. So RevNC is just rev, uh, like revision, no change or initial release. Um, something that we've always put on prints um, as an initial drawing release. Um, so there haven't been any revisions to it. So NC just means no change. Um, and then moving forward, you start jumping up by letters in revision. So then these ones that I'm currently working on are the rev A's and then they go B's and then you skip certain letters that look like numbers like I. So there's no um, confusion if it's a one or an I, so on, or an O, you don't ever do rev O's because they look like zeros um, and so on. And then once you hit Z, you finish with Z. Hopefully I never have to go that high, but if you hit Z, then you're done. Then you go back to AA and then AB, AC and so on. Um, so it just becomes a... Uh, kind of a two-digit two digit letter or whatever you call it. So, um, yeah, so the revisions on this are pretty minimal. Um, out the gate, I think everything was pretty good. I got a lot of feedback from guys that bought datums and handled them uh, just in person at the shows, at Makers, uh, as well as CCKS. Nothing major um, overall. It was just kind of a little bit of a small, a small area for um, accessing the lock bar. I only had about five-eighths or so of access because I wanted to hide the lock bar inside the frame as much as possible, but I didn't want to have it sticking out of the profile. And I don't want the show side frame to be a different shape than the lock side frame. Um, I've never been a fan of that really. I know a lot of guys like it, prefer it, but I think as long as you design the access within the frames enough, you can get in there. And uh, I haven't had any issues ever unlocking any of the NCs, um, but because it was a consistent feedback from a lot of people, I figured I might as well modify it a little bit. Um, I don't have any reason not to. I don't want to be stubborn with the design stuff. Um, I think there should be some function, you know, before form, whatever. So um, before it was only about five eighths or so access. Now it's uh, an inch and a half, roughly. So I added over an inch or so of access in the lock bar. Now the entire lock bar is sticking out, um, essentially the full length of what the window is on the blade. So there's a lot more. And then I also added a 50 thou chamfer around the entire lock bar that blends in with the frames. Uh, and then I added a 50 thou chamfer on the slab frame. So there's a hundred thou of additional clearance um, and width right here, as well as over an inch of additional access to the lock bar itself. So you can unlock it in any point in here. Um, I did hear actually some feedback about liner locks that did make a little bit of sense, but it's not enough for me to go back to a frame lock. Um, I spoke with Joe Caswell quite a bit, and he was mentioning that one concern that he has with liners or inset locks is that debris can get stuck in here. Um, but the nice thing about if that happens, you're essentially stuck with a fixed blade. Um, it's not like your knife can't lock. Like if you were to have over travel on a lock bar, now your lock is now your knife is actually extremely dangerous because it won't lock open. Uh, worst case, if you get something stuck under the lock bar, you just can't close it. 
guess there's some danger there, but at least it's still functional as a fixed blade at that point. Um, so I'm going to keep rolling with it. Um, I made the lock bar. It was originally 50 thou thick. And an issue that I had with this is that because it was so thin and the lock relief was so short, um, even though it was a good thickness, it wasn't very long. So there wasn't very much of a flexure there. It was a good focused bend point, but it wasn't enough thin area to create kind of a soft uh, lock bar feel. So in order to get the, the detent action and the lock bar engagement that I wanted, I had to bend the lock bar pretty far and actually had to bend it in two locations. I had to bend it where the lock relief is and about in the middle of where the lock face is and the lock relief. So it was sort of curved um, a little bit. And what that ended up doing was making the lock bar real stiff. So I got a great action, uh, but for guys that have really big thumbs and stuff that couldn't get it in there and unlock it, it was a little bit hard for them to unlock. Um, so adding all of this, I think is going to help a lot. Um, and then also I skipped over something and I don't remember what I was talking about, <clears throat> but anyways, on the lock bar itself, I added uh, quite a bit more length on the relief itself. I think it's about a half inch now. It's 40 thou thick, it's three eighths wide, and then it's about a half inch long. So this is going to allow a lot more of a, oh yeah. So it's going to allow a lot softer of a feel while still having um, a decent amount of lock bar um, bend to it to engage in the lock face, as well as um, a strong detent. I want to make these detents as strong as possible. Um, handle a lot of knives at CCKS um, and just over the years. And uh, I'm really not a fan of soft detents. I don't care how much people ask for them. I'm just not going to do it. So um, I want to make these detents as strong as possible. And the nice thing about this is because it's not a frame lock, you can't squeeze the lock bar and keep the, keep the detent pressed into the frame, into the detent slot. So no matter how hard you squeeze this thing, you're still going to be able to fire it. Uh, so by lengthening this lock relief area, it's going to allow more of an area of a flexure for this lock bar. And the, what I was saying earlier, um, the lock bar was only 50 thou thick, so it was very soft. So when I put a single bend in the lock relief, which is what I normally do on frame locks. So, and you know, pretty much any, um, knife that has like a, a liner or inset or a frame lock, you basically bend this over, you heat it to set the new memory in the titanium. And then that's where it's at. Um, but when I was doing that, it, because the rest of the lock bar was only 50 thou thick and the lock relief is 40 thou thick, it was just bending in the middle because uh, it was essentially very much the same thickness all the way across. So it wasn't focusing the bend in the relief itself. It was just bending along the length of the bar. And the issue with that is that it would lock and unlock properly, but because now the detent and lock face, like the end of the lock bar is down now in the closed position. The center of it was still bent up. So the middle of it was higher than the two ends. And when the blade closed, the lock bar would actually rub on the middle of the blade as it was closing. Um, so what I did was I, I modified the, the models a little bit. Um, I moved the relief, this relief that's on the outside of the frames. I moved those up. I think it was around 20 thou or so. Didn't alter the, the look of this too much. Um, but I move those up so that I have more relief or more meat under the lock bar to make the lock bar pocket deeper so that I can make the lock bar itself 70 thou thick. Um, this was something that Jim and I had gone over quite a bit. Um, I believe all his lock bars were 70 thou thick. Mine was at 50. Um, and then the lock reliefs are like 39, 40, you know, 38 thou, somewhere around there. 
So I'm just going to shoot for 40 by half inch long. I think that's going to be good. That's um, wider than what I've always done. I've always done them at 40, um, but I usually try to do them around 200 thou or so. But I think, you know, thinking back now, um, a lot of my knives have always had kind of stiff lock bars. Um, strong action, strong um, lock engagement, but just a little stiff on the lock bar. So I think this will allow it to be a softer lock bar, but still a strong detent and still a strong lockup. Um, so this allowed me to get my lock bar to 70 thou thick all the way across the whole entire thing with 10 thou clearance under it. So I need a little bit of over travel on the lock bar to clear the detent ball. I'm not a huge fan of flattening detent balls, but it worked out really well on the Rev NCs and it was a super easy process. Um, but I need to do it because I only have 10 thou gap between my blade and my lock frame. So the detent ball can't stick out a full 20 thou because it'll drag on the blade. Um, even when it can over travel by 10 thou, you're essentially giving it zero clearance right there. Um, so by taking off a few thou off the top, it allows the lock bar to over travel, get the detent ball past the blade, and then the blade can slide on the top of the detent ball. So, uh, that was one or pretty much the only changes that I made that were major to this. Um, I simplified the back end of the lock bar quite a bit. I originally had a dovetail running around most of this boss in the back. And the way that I was planning on putting this in was you basically bend the lock bar up, you push the lock bar down into the pocket, slide it in, and it snaps under the under the dovetail. And it worked out on a few of them during assembly, and then uh, some of them were just too tight. And by the time I got them together, I realized that it's really just not necessary because I'm capturing the entire lock bar with the the barrel that runs through the pocket clip and through both frames. So there's no real need to have that dovetail there. And all it was doing was just increasing cycle time, increasing perishable tooling cost, as well as um, making assembly and disassembly more difficult with not really any benefit um, other than just being kind of cool that it was in there. Uh, but I don't think there's any, any benefit functionally of having that there. So the way that the lock bar bends and everything, it's pushing down anyways. So um, I, I removed that. I simplified the pocket. Um, it was originally three steps. There was a step back here, really in the back, and then it stepped down and then it was a dovetail and then it stepped down again. And there was too much detail in there. Uh, so I simplified all of this stuff to make the lock bar itself a lot more straightforward uh, for just design revisions, um, but also machining stools, a little squeaky, sorry. Um, but, uh, added a little bit of additional clearance in the back end, uh, which I had before, but I just added a little bit more uh, on the very round end. The uh, the profile of the lock bar is not concentric with the pivot. This gives me 10 thou clearance in the back end in case the size changes at all. So if I end up cutting this big by like a thou, I can still flat sand the ends or the sides of it to fit into the slot tight um, without having to modify the radius in the back. So everything is um, constrained by this pivot barrel running through here. Um, and that worked out really well on the Rev NCs. So I'm just going to keep rolling with that. But other than that, that's really the only changes that I made to these on, um, on the Rev A's. So I feel like there was a couple little things. Oh, and the blades, um, the blade here. So one thing, uh, one thing I normally do is like, I won't have this profile at the bottom. So this lock face just runs right off the end of it. Um, this lock face itself is actually an angle. I think it's like seven and a half, eight, somewhere around there to check. But anyways, there's a flat section where the lock bar actually engages and then it runs into a radius. So you kind of get the best of both worlds of having a flat lock face, but also the insurance of a radial lock 
or radius lock face um, to prevent the lock bar from over traveling too much. Um, so that's kind of a, a little bit of a combination of both of those. Uh, and then there's also some clearance here. Uh, the lock face and on the lock bar and the lock face on the blade are not, they're not parallel with each other. There's some angle to force contact only at the outermost point of contact out here. And then the rest is clearance. Uh, so I increased that, I increased that angle of um, clearance a little bit because I did have some lock bars after they broke in, they started to wear a little bit more and that contact patch would get a little bit wider and a little bit wider over time. Not much. It was never the whole entire thing. It was still really nice. But the problem is, is that if you contact your lock bar up near your detent ball, uh, but you don't contact up near the outer profile and you, you contact this first, that's when you start to get lock rock because you're contacting. And then as you push your blade towards the closed position, as you flex it in, it's flexing the lock bar up until the outermost point of your blade contacts the rest of your lock bar. Uh, so that's where you can feel some lock rock, even if you have solid engagement with that lock bar, um, you get deflection in the lock bar itself. So there's some ways to like, like kind of stabilize the lock bar from flexing in, but then you start to get drag on that lock bar, which I don't really want because uh, you feel it every time you open and close it, uh, unless you build some clearance into that. But then the whole reason for that stabilizer is that you don't allow it to flex, uh, but you need a little bit of clearance so that it doesn't drag. So uh, with this setup, there's only a 5,000 clearance all the way around. So it can't really flex much anyways, but because the contact point is designed to be at the outermost point, essentially where this radius is on the lock bar. Um, I haven't noticed that issue at all. You can feel it a little bit when the blade's in the closed position and you try to pull it. Um, it's not detent play, but it's actually flexing the lock bar out just a couple thou. Uh, there's so much leverage when you grab a blade down towards the tip and, a, and the frame down here and you start pulling it, you can flex the lock bar a little bit, a couple thou. And, uh, you know, measuring some of my blade details when I, uh, on the, on the, uh, Ultim one, I had to make a larger stop pin and part of that check fixture that I made for these blades, essentially one thou of diameter on the stop pin ends up being six thou of deviation of where the tip ends, um, on my specific setup. So the closer you have the stop pin to the pivot, the more drastic that is, um, so I had to make a stop pin of one, they're normally 125. I ended up taking a gauge pin because uh, I overcut one of the blades. Uh, it, the stop pin track was just a little big. So what I ended up doing was I took a gauge pin um, that I've had in my toolbox since 2004. Um, so 19 years I've been carrying these gauge pins around and I cut a little 3 8 section off of one of the 129 minus pins. And I opened up these holes and I put that stop pin in there and the detent was perfect. The, the lock face was perfect. The closed position was all dialed. Um, so that check fixture worked out really well, um, doing some of the math on here and laying it out in CAD helped a bit too as well. So, um, but yeah, whoever has that ultimate datum, you've got a gauge pin that I've been carrying around for 19 years in my toolbox. Um, so a little bit of history, I've probably checked a thousand parts with those things. So, um, yeah, that's really the, all the changes that I have on the Rev A's, uh, again, hopefully you're watching this to kind of make some sense of it, but. Uh, just a short episode today. I don't want to get too much into anything. Um, I still want Jim to be able to come in and tell us, you know, tell everybody about how the show went for him. And then we can kind of dive into some of that stuff and the experience. Um, but, uh, definitely don't want to skip a, skip an episode. So get something out there. And then, uh, for all the guys in the Facebook group and everywhere that's been asking about what the changes are for the Rev A's, 
this will be an easy, a little easy uh, link that I can shoot over and show some of that specific detail. So anyways, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I know this is a short one today, not really expected, um, but uh, I appreciate everybody. I appreciate all the support. We got uh, our first Patreon supporter um, just a couple days ago. So we're going to start doing some stuff with that. Um, I want to use the Patreon for questions and, and some other things too. I was even thinking about doing uh, some challenge coins for that. You know, if, if you get in on the Patreon and you've been in for a year, you know, you get like a custom coin or something, uh, doing something cool with that, some shirts and things. So anyways, I really appreciate all the support. Uh, thanks for following along, listening, following us on Instagram. So check out mine. It's at Zodiac Engineering or ENG. Um, Alex is HMC or sorry, uh, Jim is HMC Knives. And then Alex is just Alex Steingraber. So um, follow us everywhere. And uh, thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.